as we're talking to our children, God wants us to tell the truth. Truth, God loves truth. He loves when we say what really happened. And I know we're under pressure sometimes and we, we make a mistake and we don't tell the truth. But, and God loves you, mm. whatever the kid's name is. But he hates lying yeah. because lying is an abomination. It's detestable to him. So let's try really hard to always tell the truth uh, because we want to do the things God loves and not the things God hates. And you're talking about the action mm -hmm. that God hates, yeah. the person God loves and wants only the best for, but the action mm. is something that God hates. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. And Jed. Yeah, good to be here with everybody. We've done some uh, textual studies the last couple of weeks there in Romans yep. and Psalms. Psalms. Uh, we're going to go to a more topical topic for this week. Because we've we've had somebody that, that we respect that has come mm -hmm. to us with a question. Yeah, and it's, <clears throat> it's an interesting question. I know that they kind of came at it with two parts, and we'll see where it goes, but boiling it down... It's the concept of should shame be used as a spiritual motivator? Yeah. Whether that's like in a congregation trying to shame them to grow or to do things or to participate, or then even getting down to that personal level, you know, when you're trying to correct a child or a family member or something, should shame be part of that? And, you know, I'll confess that I have never really thought that question out biblically. Mm. <clears throat> I've, I've, of course, read about shame in the Bible, but yeah. the question that was asked, is shame a biblical motivator for us to do things that are right? I, I think I had to do some study on that. Yeah. Well, it's, and I don't think I've looked at it as deeply biblically. I've looked at it sociologically before. Sure. Um, or psychologically. Yeah. Like yeah. I remember there was a story years ago that fascinated me of uh, Spanish debt collectors and they were having a problem collecting debts, you know, and so the banks were going under this and that and the other. And so they found that if they dressed up in really outlandish costumes, or at least they were in like a tuxedo and a top hat and they showed up at your door. And even if they weren't the ones who like yelled loudly and rang bells, people saw that costume and they were so mortified that that person had showed up at their door and their neighbors now knew that they were there collecting debts. Yeah, they, they yeah. knew there was a debt. <laughs> and so they were talking about how that public shame was lowering debt numbers in various parts of the country <laughs> because people so wanted to avoid it. Interesting. Yeah. So it was effective. Now, whether it's morally good or biblically a good idea, uh, let's let's go into that a little bit. There are some words, a few words, mm -hmm. especially in the New Testament. There's a word group, iscrotes, iscrologia, iscase. These words mean something that is shameful, that is dishonorable, that is humiliating. Mm. Um, they're the opposite of something that is that casts a good light on you. That you you are honored by this. Yeah, it's like dishonorable okay. to do these things. Uh, we have several scriptures. Let's look at Ephesians 5, 4. Okay. Ephesians 5, 4. Let's see what yours says in the ESV there. 
Now, the ESV translates uh, Ephesians 5, 4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. <clears throat> All right, so the word that yours translates filthiness mm -hmm. is actually a two-part word, iskrologia, which means shameful talk. Mm, yeah. Shameful talk. Okay. Humiliating, dishonorable mm. talk. So that that is the word there. So, there, so filthiness doesn't mean like potty words sort of sort of idea, although that may be part of it. It's it's speech that we ought to be ashamed to be talking about those things. Mm. Um, if you stay in that same chapter. Okay. You have a, a similar word without the speech part down in Ephesians 5, uh, 12. Okay. Read 11 and 12 there. All right. 11. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. All right. So there are sinful acts that are <clears throat> shameful even to speak about. Mm. which suggests that they're shameful to do, Yeah, you know. I was kind of going back to the idea, you know, is there in the mind of God mm. this concept that there are shameful things that, that cast dishonor and humiliation on us if we do them? Yeah. And so there appears to be shameful talk and shameful acts. Okay. Check out Colossians 3.8. Colossians. Now, see, we still haven't talked about shame as a motivator. Right. We're just, we're just establishing at... that it is a real thing with God. Yeah. It is recognized by God. It's not just a human concept. That's that right. In. All right. Colossians 3, 8. Same word group here. Okay. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. See, that's that's the word for shameful talk. Mm. Okay. And so you're talking about obscene things that are that are shameful and you're you're either making light of them as if they're not shameful or whatever, but mm. you're 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 uh, minimizing things that are very shameful. Okay. And so that's not good. So if <clears throat> Uh, maybe we're going to head here in a minute. If the concept of shame does exist, is that where we start to get the we should be ashamed of something? Yeah, we're going to we're getting there. Okay. All right. So now we're going to talk about ashamed, which is part of the it's part of the same word group. Okay. All right. Um, if you look at Luke sixteen three, this is the story of a dishonest steward mm -hmm. who was. Um, uh, not handling his master's goods honestly and lied about things. Re reads Luke 16. Uh, let's read 1 through 3, sort of get the little sure. story there. So he also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. He called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be a manager. <clears throat> The manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. All right, notice I'm ashamed mm. to beg. Okay. So this guy felt that if he was out here begging people for money, mm. that would be shameful. Because uh, it would imply something that he had done wrong to get him into this state. Or 
just the idea that he wasn't working and making a living and he was out here begging when he was capable of working. Okay. You know, in Second Thessalonians 3.10, Paul says, If any man will not work, neither let him eat. So it seems to be the same idea. But here again, this guy would be ashamed if he was doing mm. this. Yeah. See? So people are ashamed. And if they're not ashamed, according to some of these others, when they do certain things, they should be ashamed. Mm. Now, that's talking about how they should feel about ungodly, sinful, obscene acts if okay. they themselves do them. They should feel shame or humiliation that they have done those things. Now, that doesn't mean that should be a permanent fixture of their life mm. because when we turn to God and we receive His grace— then we're we're right with God again. We're no longer in those things. There's no reason for us to still feel shame. Okay. See, we're, we're, we need to look at a couple more scriptures before okay. we try to tie this up. I've got a question All right, that ties, go ties into this, but do you have another scripture about ashamed? Uh, yes. Okay. Look at Genesis chapter 2, the right. last verse. Let's look at that, and then I've got a question about another word that will tie in here. Genesis 2... The last verse, uh, there we go. So verse 25 of chapter 2 in Genesis. The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. All right, but then when you go down into the next chapter mm -hmm. and uh, Satan tempts them and they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then all of a sudden mm. they're hiding from God because they're naked. Right. And the implication is now they are ashamed because they realize that they shouldn't be running around with their nakedness open, yeah. so they're, they put clothes on. Yeah, because there was something that they felt was now wrong about that. Right, so... Okay. So... You know, we we find numerous things in Scripture about uh, covering up your nakedness and, and, and that if you're running around naked in front of other people, that's a shameful mm. thing. So there should be some sense of shame, even though today we have people that think they can run around naked or take naked pictures mm. and publicize them, and there's no shame in that, but evidently there is shame in that. Mm. So... Um, Again, we're, we're establishing that there are categories of things mm -hmm. that in the mind of God are humiliating, dishonorable, shameful okay. that we should not do. And it's there's some things that are a little bit surprising that even fit into that category. Sometimes talking right. about those things is shameful. Right. Um, in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 6, Mm -hmm. It's shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaven. Hmm. Yeah. And you find in the Old Testament when 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 uh, foreign armies came through uh, and they destroyed cities and they would take the, the women and shave their heads that the women would wail and they would be so ashamed that they mm -hmm. had a bald head that it, they would feel that they had been dishonored. Right. See? And um, in the same context of the Corinthian epistle, he's trying to get people to wear their head covering there. Right. But, but in uh, chapter 14, verse 35, these women were trying to preach in church, and he said it's a shame for a woman to preach in the church. And he uses this Interesting. word. Okay. So there is a cultural stigma, mm. but not only a cultural stigma, when you go against the mandates of God— 
and you flout that in the assembly, God says it's a shame hmm. to do that. It's and he seems to imply that in that culture, if they weren't wearing the head covering, there it was a shame for their husband. Man. Okay. And so, yeah, I know. I know. So uh, the question I had tying into the concept of ashamed, like being ashamed of something, I'm assuming it's a different word for sure, but with the concept of being ashamed or being convicted, do those tie together in any way? They do. They do. Because when you're talking about being ashamed, and it's really not a different word, it's just a difference in the oh. form of the word. Okay. So they do have even a, a linguistic tie. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Gotcha. Good to know. In the Greek, they do. So there is a definite element of conviction. In other words, I'm found out. See, we ought to realize that God knows what we've done, whether people do or not. Absolutely. But a lot of times, you know, somebody finds out that we've done this and we're caught mm -hmm. and we're ashamed, Yeah, which we should be ashamed before God as well that we've done this. Not that we should wallow in that shame and, and be ashamed forever if we repent and we get ourselves right. Mm -hmm. But that sense of guilt, guilt right. goes with the idea of shame. And we've talked about that pretty in depth before, the, yes. uh, the guilty in the eyes of God sort of thing. Right. If I know I'm guilty in the eyes of God, and others even have discovered that I'm guilty in the eyes of God, then mm. then I am dishonored. I am yeah. shamed in some way for that, you mm. see. So is it almost an element of being ashamed is something that leads to conviction based on guilt? Well, pretty pretty close, because there are, there are people, for example, in Romans chapter 1 that um, they approve to um, they approved not to have God in their consciousness, Romans one twenty eight, mm. and God gave them up to what Romans one twenty eight calls a reprobate mind. Mm. Yep. And see, the reprobate mind is a mind which is no longer ashamed of those things yeah. and no longer has a, a twinge of conscience about those things and can, can do um, immoral things without any qualms about it okay see? so they're not convicted they're not they're not feeling dishonored by yeah. what they're doing so it's almost like going back to the the genesis passage we could see that shame came into the picture when sin entered the picture that's correct before then there was no reason to be ashamed that's right and so now we have shame which is again based on something from god that's right it's not going to be Cultural. It's not humanly devised. It's something from God that okay. is dishonorable. And in, in the case of Corinthians, um, a woman acting like she doesn't have a husband when she does or, or um, um, rebelling against the headship of men in the assembly, since God is, is for the headship of men in the assembly, then that is shameful because it comes from God, but okay. Uh, so, um, you know, if we talk about shame in respect to our modern culture, mm. we're going to get the wrong idea completely because okay. some things of which our modern culture is not only not ashamed, but but flaunts everywhere. Right. You know, but God is ashamed of those things that those He finds those things dishonorable and they're against His nature. Mm. If shame is is a real thing. Let's just kind of start there. A real thing in the eyes of God. And evidently it is from Scripture. Yeah. Is, 
can it then be, I mean, I think the obvious answer to this is, can it be abused? Yes. But should it be used, like if God is ashamed or if God can see that things are shameful, do we as humans, now getting kind of that original question, do we ever have the right or should it be expected or understood that maybe sometimes we use the concept of shame mm -hmm. maybe to convict someone or to yeah. bring about change? Well, um, that's, a, that's kind of a delicate thing. I think that, um, for example, there's a scripture here in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 2 where Paul is talking about as a minister, as a, mm -hmm. as a servant of Christ, he has renounced the shameful things of darkness. He has, he has turned his life in a different way because he wants to live what he is preaching. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2, what is your say? 4, verse 2, there we go. Uh, it says, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. All right, disgraceful would be this word group, shameful. Okay. And you'll have it translated that way in some other yeah. versions. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we've renounced those things. Mm. So I think as, if we, we can abuse this as a motivator, especially if um, we tell a child um, over and over again that they're shameful, and, and if we tell them they're bad, then and we don't tell them that um, uh, they are God's children and that God wants us to live this way, and these things are dishonorable in God's sight, and I love you, and you're a good person, and you're going to be a good person, and these are just things we don't do. You're not, you're not bad because you're you're changing those things, and you're doing the right thing now, you know. But these are things we stay away from, you know. Mm. There's nothing wrong with saying that they're shameful acts. Okay, but we bring people to the to the point to see that God loves them, and as they turn to God, they don't have to any longer be ashamed because God loves them and God accepts them, and the actions yeah. that they have done may be shameful, but right. they are still God's children if they turn to God in His grace. And so, I think we can, rather than just make people feel guilty even when they turn to God and try to do the right thing as if they're no good, mm. you know. That's not the concept of, of shame and how shame should be used. So some of this probably ties into, you know, sharing the truth in love, not exasperating our children, you know, a, exactly. lot, a lot of these things. Exactly. So, so maybe as a practical example, tying into what you were talking about, if your child is lying to you at home, like, we obviously know lying is not a good thing. It is not of God. It is not yep. of the people of God. And so to sit your child down at home and to say, hey, I know sometimes we want to avoid trouble or sometimes we want to get what we want, and that leads us to say things that are untrue. And then we set up the, but God wants us to be a people of truth. This is what the good is. Hey, and this is just one of your actions. It's not who you are. Mm -hmm. Versus if we went, you know, you are a no good liar. I can't trust a thing you say. And you make a sign and you hang it around their neck and then you send them to school that says, I'm a liar. Yeah. See, in hopes that that will fix their problem. Yes. I think you're on the right track. Exactly. Okay. I want to check myself against a scripture that my mom, 
quoted to me often in the sixth okay. chapter of Proverbs. Yeah, chapter Proverbs 6, verse 16 and 17. Okay. In the ESV, it's translated, There are six things the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. All right, the Hebrew word shekets mm -hmm. means a detestable thing. It's translated abomination mm -hmm. there, which is very close to the idea of shameful. You know, it's detestable. Uh -huh. okay. okay. So as we're talking to our children, God wants us to tell the truth. Truth, God loves truth. He loves when we say what really happened. And I know we're under pressure sometimes and we, we make a mistake and we don't tell the truth. But And God loves you, mm. whatever the kid's name is. But he hates lying yeah. because lying is an abomination. It's detestable to him. So let's try really hard to always tell the truth uh, because we want to do the things God loves and not the things God hates. And you're talking about the action mm -hmm. that God hates, yeah. the person God loves and wants only the best for, but the action mm. is something that God hates. So calling out the sin or pointing out a need for change or something that's gone wrong or an incorrect action, you know, all these different ways mm -hmm. we could phrase it. There's nothing wrong with that. No. But again, it has to be based in who God is and God's expectations and, and how that God loves the individual yeah. no matter what they've done. Who they are in the sight of God. Yes, and that God wants the better for them and the and the best. And God is not done with them or has not turned his back on them as long as they keep trying to do what God wants to do and they're not just, you know, bad and and shameful for the rest of their life because they did something that mm. was shameful. So then if we kind of zoom out and we take it to this, okay, now you're in charge of a group of people. Mm -hmm. You know, you're addressing your your Bible class, you're yeah. maybe for teachers, your classroom at school, you're a preacher, and we're up front talking to somebody. You say, if I was a preacher, did yeah. you say? Yeah, you know, okay. if, if you're a preacher, we got, you know, if a preacher, minister, and, you know, we're up there talking to a big group of people. So, so you're dealing with a group of people among whom are uh, fornicators. And there are uh, people who have stolen. There are people who have have lied and even some habitual liars out there. And you're mm -hmm. talking to them and you explain to them that that the uh, the character of God is such that he loves righteousness and righteous things and he hates unrighteous things. And he, he says those are shameful things, but that he always... He loves us and he wants all of us to be his and that we all have a choice to turn away from those things and to be in, in God's grace. And, you know, even Saul of Tarsus and you can list other people that did terrible things mm -hmm. in the Bible that were embraced by God. Yeah. And uh, they, li they lived very valuable lives and God loved them dearly just because you've had those troubles in the past or you've been in those things doesn't mean that you're forever bad. You know, mm -hmm. we have yeah. to mitigate it. We have to tell what the Bible says, but mitigate it by, by helping people not stay there frozen in their shame or their guilt. Yeah. But giving them hope for how the grace of God works and how that God loves them and they can move forward and just be totally accepted and embraced by God in every way. Yeah. But I guess 
coming through pretty clearly in this, seeing where this concept of shame or conviction or the detestable things, you know, all the different words that are apparently much closer tied together than it's I realize. It's a word group. Yeah. Yes. In all of that, our personal disappointments really don't have a place to play in this. So Personal so, disappointments. Like if I am personally disappointed with another individual, you know, a close friend has let me down in some way, but it's not necessarily sinful. It's mm -hmm. just... You know, they didn't show up on time or they mm -hmm. made me embarrassed when something happened or whatever. And then I proceed to shame them in front of people or personally for my own personal embarrassments or frustrations. Yeah. That's something that doesn't really. No, out. I, I think that what we could do is um, <clears throat> instead of saying you are sorry, so and so, because you did this, yeah. and you should be ashamed. We should be saying, you know. When, when this happened, I felt like I was embarrassed. Mm. I felt like this. And I hope that, you know, you won't do that next time. But you're, you're putting it on how you felt instead of making, mm. telling them how worthless and bad yeah. they are. Mm. And that can happen at the individual or the group level. You yeah. Know, uh, same concept principle applies. Yeah. And, yeah. and sometimes, you know... You might say to a child or a friend that, that really does do something serious, you know, I know that God loves you and I don't want anybody thinking anything bad of you. Mm. And I know you don't want to live this way. And I know you won't feel right about yourself if you live this way. So, you know, let me help you. Let's get this straightened out. And, mm. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a way of going about things so that they know that you love them and that God loves them and that they're not hopeless. Yeah, and I think you, the, the statement of you'll be with them, you'll still stand with them. Yes. I think the biggest concept when people are abusing shame mm -hmm. is it's to put distance between. Yeah, and, and sometimes you'll, for example, in the church, if we can just be practical, um, you know, people go through divorces for whatever reason. Some of some of the people can't help it, mm. you know. Yeah. And they feel that there's this stigma, regardless of whether it was their fault or not or whatever, that they're divorced. And so they 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 feel less than accepted. Mm. Or maybe they've had addiction issues and they're working on those and doing right and they feel less than accepted. Or maybe they've, um, you know, gotten in trouble for tax fraud and did a year in prison or something. And mm. they feel ashamed and they feel less than accepted see that's where we as the church have a responsibility to stand beside these people and embrace them and help them and realize that god loves them and they're fully accepted as they're trying to do god's will and yeah and what's interesting is this concept will even play out on a, on a much smaller level or seemingly insignificant level in the scheme of things like let's say someone was listed to lead a prayer one sunday and they completely forgot and didn't show up. Oh, yeah. You know, and they will not only be embarrassed, but they're ashamed. They're like so disappointed in themselves. But that's and, not a sin. They just didn't mean yeah. to. But it's that same thing of sometimes as the people in charge, we can then be so ashamed of that person or shame them for not showing up. Yeah. That <clears throat> it does echo into bigger things. So, so, so let's boil this down. Mm -hmm. Shame is a real thing. Okay. It is <clears throat> means distasteful or uh, dishonorable, mm. 
in the God sight, right? There are actions and attitudes that are shameful. Mm-hmm. And that ties into that word dishonorable. And and when we are convicted of that, that we have done any of those things, we feel shame, rightly so. Mm. But then we can embrace God in his grace and turn from those things and be fully, mm. completely, 100% accepted by God. Yeah. See? But so if we use shame as a motivator, I, yeah. we should be careful about how we do it and always, always, always encourage people in the hopeful part that God loves them and God always accepts us when we come back to him and he's not going to think you're bad for the rest of your life or anything like that yeah. and and reflect that in our own attitude toward people. Yeah. So shame is real, but it's not the stick we should use for correction at every point. No, I don't think so. If you don't, if you don't help people see hope, it's like a lot of preachers preach on sin and they beat people over the head with sin. And I preach on sin too, but I try to give them hope. That's not the end of the story. There's a loving God and he loves you and we can all try and God's grace covers us as we try to live for him. And you know, yeah, you got to have the other part. Yeah. And that's true from that grand cosmological sense of Christ and, and people and God's plan. And even down to just your individual relationships with, friends, family, children, whoever yeah, it may be. Absolutely. That's okay. all I got. Yeah. Well, it's been a good study. I, I think this is something that we see come up, but we may not have the words to put onto it. And like you say, since shame isn't the most common word in the Bible associated with it. And it's, it's, a, it's a very societally incorrect, politically incorrect mm. word to even say today. So that's just having this program, <laughs> uh, but it is in the Bible and that we just tried to tell you what the Bible says about it. So there yeah. you go. Okay. So maybe if you've got individual situations you want us to look at or walk through or just talk with somebody about, um, we're always here. You can email us at info at broadwaycoc.com. Mm-hmm. Um, Contact us through our YouTube channel and all those different things. We try to interact with as many people as possible. Yeah. And uh, every now and again, we come to it to one of these programs. And it's important to address it there as well. So thanks for the question. Thanks for your time. And we look forward to being with you again another time in the near future. God bless. Have a good one.